Hello and welcome to another episode of The Rambling Rev. I am The Rambling Rev, Pastor Scott Dalen, an ELCA pastor in Southwest Iowa, and I present these episodes every week for a couple of different reasons. Now, the first reason I do these is to move my brain out of the mode of background work over the course of the week as I work and ponder on the text and move into the process of actually preparing the sermon that I will preach to my congregation for the weekend. That's the first reason I do these. And the second is to allow you, the listener, who have graciously given of your time to come by and listen to me ramble, to gain some different insight into the assigned text for the week. Now, when I say assigned, it is assigned by something called the Revised Common Lectionary. That is a three-year organizational tool that brings scripture into usable passages for worship purposes. So that dictates where the passages come from that I actually talk about week to week to week. This particular Sunday is February 9th, 2020. Happens to be a full moon, though that's not connected to anything. Just happens to be as I look at the calendar. Our continuing saga, which is a really weird way of saying the the continuation of our text, comes out of Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. Now, if you happen to catch Last week, we had moved into a portion of Matthew's gospel known as the Sermon on the Mount. It encompasses chapter 5, 6, and 7, a long period of teaching where Jesus begins to talk about different aspects of living in the kingdom of heaven. And this idea that the kingdom of heaven has come near, and so what does life in the kingdom look like? And that really seems to be what the vast majority of the kingdom of heaven, or excuse me, of the Sermon on the Mount is aimed at. Now, this is more of the same. There are two different sections to this brief reading. You know, it's only about seven or eight verses long, but we have two different aspects of it. We have beginning, there are two comparisons where Jesus is kind of making a little bit of a metaphor about the people who are hearing his message. And then he seems to flip into a couple of verses that appear to be some corrective here in the early part of his ministry. I'm guessing he would have experienced some questions or some debates or some pushback regarding his role as Messiah and what does that mean for the law and the kingdom and life as as people and all of that. And so he's offering some corrective to that. And so that's kind of what these two different sections are. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then we will get into it. Again, Matthew 5, verses 13 through 20. And this is Jesus who is speaking. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so that's the passage. That's the reading. And let's go ahead and get into it. Now, as I mentioned, two different sections. First of all, we've got these metaphors or these analogies that Jesus is making towards his audience, towards people who are hearing that they are part of this kingdom of heaven, which has come near. And he says two things. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. 
Now, I thought about these two different things that Jesus brings up. And first off, a brief English lesson. He does not say you should be these things. He says you are these things, so be them. And I thought about salt and I thought about light in their literal meanings, literal salt and literal light. And they're both things that can be both good and accomplish good things and also things that can ultimately become destructive. Now, let's think about salt. There's, in my opinion, really two uses for salt. One is as a seasoning to food, and then one uh, to throw it on the, the roads and melt the ice, making it safer for travel. Now, both of these things are good things, but what happens if you use too much or if you don't wash it off or things of that nature? Well, you can actually oversalt and burn food, and if you eat too much of it, it can leave you feeling bloated and give you high blood pressure. But on the flip side, if you use the right amount, it brings out the flavor of food and makes it wonderful. So, you know, from a seasoning standpoint, we've got good things, we've got not so good things. In the aspect of using it on the roads, well, it melts ice, it makes it safer, but it can also build up and break down and cause destruction of the roads themselves. It also washes up on your vehicle, and if you don't wash it off of, the, of your car, it starts to rust and it can destroy your vehicle. So too much can either salt in that aspect can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. Let's flip into light. Think about that. Light, and specifically sunlight, is the source of life on this planet. Sunlight feeds the plants. Plants then feed animals, and then all of which is food for us. The sunlight is really the basis for it. But if you're out in the sun too long, it can leave you with a sunburn. If you leave pictures in it, it can break them down and degrade them. It causes newspapers to yellow out and fade. It causes paint colors to fade. All of this light can be destructive. It can be both the source of life and a destructive force all at the same time. And remember, Jesus tells us that we are these things, and then he tells us to be them. And so what do we make of that? Well, perhaps we make of it that we are called to be different and make a difference in the world, but that the same thing can be destructive if we're not careful, that this life in the kingdom and the kingdom of heaven that Jesus talks about, we're called to make a difference within the lives of those that we encounter. But we can also be destructive if we do not tread carefully. So that's, I think, kind of what's going on in there. And then one more word just about the background of, of this idea of salt losing its flavor. In Jesus' day, salt was, was obtained by going to the shores of the Dead Sea and scooping up the salt deposits that had come out of the water. You also get sand with that. You get a mixture of salt and sand. And then what happens if the salt gets wet? The salt dissolves and you're left with sand. And sand's not going to flavor much, so you might as well throw it out in the road and walk on it, right? Likewise, with the analogy of, of being light, being light. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel basket. That would be stupid. But you actually put it up in the house to give light to those. That's the purpose of, of the light. So really what Jesus seems to be saying here is fulfill your purpose, but don't go overboard because you can be destructive if you are not doing so carefully. And if you're not caring for those that you're encountering, that seems to be the basis for this first part of the passage. Based on there, we move into the second part. And Jesus starts talking about, don't think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. If we think about Jewish culture, the law and the prophets really make up the what we would call the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures. They're religious texts, which we share as well. And Jesus is not saying, I've come to abolish that stuff. He's saying, I've come to fulfill it. 
and and then he gets started talking about righteousness. That unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes of the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, what does that mean? Righteousness is an interesting term, and it seems to indicate ways that our our faith takes on life, the ways our faith is expressed through our actions and through our words and through what we do and, and, and how we interact with those that are around us. And we need to remember from that further port, that first portion that, that we can be beneficial or we can be destructive. And is this saying, is Jesus telling us, well, that you need to earn your way into salvation? No, that's not what he's saying. The gospel contradicts that. We recognize that we cannot do that on our own and that uh, we cannot obtain salvation by our own means. That's why we needed Jesus in the first place. And I think that's what he's talking about when he says, I've come to fulfill the law. I've come to fulfill it on your behalf. I've come to fulfill righteousness on your behalf because I know that you cannot do so. And yet we are also called to be the salt and the light in this world within this kingdom of heaven that Jesus keeps on talking about. That's another point I want to bring up. We hear about it three times in the last two verses of this, if we look back into the the portion of Jesus' public ministry so far, he said it six times now through this portion. He will continue talking about it. And I believe that the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount is him talking about what does it look like to live our lives in the reality of this kingdom of heaven, which has come near to us now, that is here now. I think that's what all of this is. And it's not about just fulfilling the letter of the law. It's about recognizing that the law runs far deeper, that brokenness and sin runs far deeper, and that we are called to be different in the world. That's the thing about salt. Salt makes a difference. But if it's used incorrectly, it destroys things. And our very actions, our thoughts, our approach, the way we interact with others can do the same. Even if we think our intentions are good, even if we think that we are doing things in a, a, a way that is beneficial, it can still be destructive. And I think that's what Jesus is reminding us of. There is, of course, a lot more going on in this passage than, than just what I've talked about, but that's I believe really the gist is Jesus moves from that sense of, of the blessings of the Beatitudes that open the Sermon on the Mount in the first 12 verses of chapter 5, the reminder that even those that the world discounts are blessed because the kingdom is here now. Then he's starting to talk about now what does life in the kingdom look like and how are you as followers, as those who have heard this good news and recognize that we are called to be different, how does that manifest? What does that look like? And how can we remember that even in the midst of it, we will still fall short and need our Savior? I really believe that's the gist of what's going on throughout the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount, and especially as we move into this portion. So that's kind of where we're at. And I want to say thank you for those of you who have tuned in. If you happen to be listening on iTunes and would like to leave a rating or review, I want to say thank you to those of you who have done so. I have a few uh, ratings on there already, which is spectacular. And reviews are always welcome as well. If you uh, believe that these are a benefit, you hit that subscribe button. They'll keep popping up to you every week as they are re released, and you will get those without really searching for them. Otherwise, I hope you have a blessed week. We will catch you next time.